Welcome to the Website Coach Podcast, the podcast for entrepreneurs and small business owners that want a winning website, one that attracts more visitors and helps them book more clients. I'm Marie Brown, a website designer and business strategist, and I'll be sharing simple and actionable tips to help you create a winning website. So let's get started. Hello, welcome to episode number 75 of the Website Coach Podcast. In last week's podcast, I talked about how to find the right website designer for you and your business. Because we all know not all website designers are the same. And in order to get the best value from your investment, it's critical that you choose the right one for you and your business. That was episode number 74, if you missed it. And this week, I'm building on that. And I'm talking specifically about the questions you want to ask anyone you are thinking of working with. Now, you might not need to ask them directly for these because some of the questions will be answered on their website, but others you will need to ask. And as I mentioned last week, in any event, I always recommend having a conversation with any website designer you're thinking of working with. You can do this in person, by phone or on Zoom. And you should have that conversation before you contract to employ them. Personally, I love chatting to clients over Zoom because I can show them things on my screen as well. And the point of having this call is not just to get your questions answered, but it allows you to decide whether they are somebody that you can work with, whether you click if you like. So what questions should you be asking? Well, I have 12 to go through today. And the very first one, is what experience do you have that is relevant to my project? Your website is not the place to train somebody in building websites or train them in building websites like yours. Your website is a hugely important marketing asset for you. And therefore, you want someone who understands how to market a business like yours. That's how you will get the best return on your investment. Of course, you also want somebody who knows what they're doing technically. I've taken over websites which have been built by inexperienced website designers or developers. I've also lost business to cheaper, inexperienced designers and developers. And I'm not bitter, (laughs) but I have been horrified in some cases when I have seen what they have built for clients. Designs that just don't work from either an aesthetic or customer journey point of view, or sometimes both. Now, I'm certainly not suggesting I'm the best website designer out there. But those of us who've been around a while understand what works and what doesn't, the kind of websites we build. So that's not going to be all websites. Whilst I really don't think building a website can be compared to surgery, if you needed a heart operation, you would want someone who operates on hearts every week. Not someone who does knees one week, hips another, and the occasional heart. And you know what? It should be the same for websites. That's what you're paying for. The expertise and experience to know what works and what doesn't. You're not just paying for someone's time. And unless you go to a large agency, website designers will have their own specialist areas. Their sweet spot, if you like. So mine is websites for small business owners who run service-based businesses. Coaches, consultants, designers, therapists, etc. 
I don't have the experience or the expertise in e-commerce websites or building websites for large corporates. And if you asked me to build one of those, I would say no. So make sure you ask about their experience and expertise. Do they build websites for businesses like yours? How much experience do they have? Can they show you? Okay, question number two. What is your process for building a website? You should ask about a website designer's process for working on a project like yours. A website should be a collaborative process. You understand your clients and your business better than your website designer. But your website designer should be better at translating that into a design that works for, you, for your clients or potential clients. I've heard stories, you probably have too, where a website designer will get the initial information from a client and then squirrel away in a dark corner and work on the website until they're done and present the final website to the client with a sort of job done attitude. I don't do that. I couldn't do that. I don't have the arrogance to think I know best for a start. And I would also worry that my client was going to hate something I had spent so much time on. You need to give your input and you should be able to give feedback as you go through the website build process. Different designers will do that in different ways. You need to be comfortable you have an appropriate amount of input. Without micromanaging, of course, you do want to let them do their job. Which sort of brings us on to question number three. What happens if I don't like it? Because design is a very personal matter. And us website designers don't always get it right first time. Yes, that's me included. And by getting it right, I mean getting a, a design that you love. And it's important that you love your website. If you don't love your website, you won't promote it and that investment will be wasted. So how do you get a website that you love? Well, the better the brief, the more likely your designer will provide you something you love or that's close to it first time. But you also need to be able to say if you don't like it and there needs to be a process for getting to a design that you don't just like but love. It's one reason you need to be involved in the design process and approve the design. And if a website designer suggests you don't need to, then I would recommend running a mile. And you want to understand the process for taking on board your feedback. So for me, once I have the brief from the client, I always provide at least two design concepts. And I ask for feedback on the designs I provide, which they prefer, what they like from the other design, anything else that they don't like, and what they would prefer instead. And in the rare event a client doesn't like either of the designs, it's usually because I have misunderstood the brief. So I get on a call and we talk about the brief and we go through the design so I can understand better what you want. And if I don't get it right first time, I want to be 98% of the way there on the second. And then hopefully there's only ever a third. And I don't build out a website pages until I have sign off on the design. Your website designer might do it differently, but you need to know that if you don't like the design, that it will be changed. And of course, without costing you more. <clears throat> Question number four, who do I deal with and how will we communicate? If you're working with a solopreneur like me, 
then it's obvious who is going to be your point of contact for the project. If you're working with an agency, you want a single point of contact who is going to ensure the website gets built, both to your satisfaction and in a cohesive way. So what I mean by that is you shouldn't be responsible for in-team communication. There's nothing worse than briefing someone and that information not being passed to the person doing the work. And the result is that you feel like you've been banging your head against a brick wall. I think we've all been in situations like that. You also want to ask about how you'll communicate throughout the project. So I use email. Some people use a channel like Slack. I'm not a fan of briefing via phone because, or, or via uh, voice notes because it's clearer for everybody if it's in written form. However, I do sometimes organise a Zoom call partway through because it can be quicker to discuss things like images that way. Question number five. How long will it take? Yes, that good old favourite. We know you want your website yesterday, or at least most of my clients do. We're all impatient. But website design and bills do take time. The best designers tend to be busy, and they might not be able to start straight away. And if that's the case, do you want to know when they're likely to be able to start? You don't want to be hanging around for months. So I give a start date for all projects, as well as a schedule and a launch date. And sometimes dates do need to change. And of course, we'll always try and do it quicker. But the time it takes to build a website will also depend very heavily on you giving feedback and other content in a timely manner. Which brings me nicely on to question number six. What do I need to provide you with and when? So the main reason for website delays is clients not providing the information or content needed at the right time. If you don't provide the content or information your website designer needs at the agreed time, when you do, they're likely to be busy on other projects. So ask before you start what they need from you to get started and what else they'll need and when. That way you can be prepared. And please do not underestimate what you actually need to give them and the amount of time it's going to take for you to prepare for the website. But they can help you with that. Ask them what help they'll give with content. Are they responsible for the website copy? If you're responsible, then what help do they give? So, for example, I provide a website homepage guide to explain what you should have on your website homepage. And I'll also guide content for other pages, or at least let clients know if I think they've gone off piste. Because quite often people will write reams and reams, and actually that's not necessarily the way people will read copy on a website. People scan it. Similarly, who's responsible for images? I'm a big believer in getting your own branding photos taken. So if you're a regular listener to the podcast, you will have heard me talking about that before. If you're using stock photos, who is responsible for those? When should images be provided and in what format? These are all important things that you need to know. What about logos, fonts and colours? And if you need help with branding, copywriting or photography, does the website designer do this too? Or can they recommend anyone? I certainly recommend people. Perk of being my customer is access to my little black book of other businesses that I trust to help my clients. 
Question number seven is what do you use to build your websites? So different designers will build websites on different platforms. Some do still hand code websites from scratch and they will say they do that because it gives the best website. It's the lightest website from a code point of view and therefore the quickest and most bespoke. But I'm not a fan of those <laughs> um, because I think they're very difficult for non-techies to edit. I'm saying difficult. I mean, they're impossible for non-techies to edit. And to be honest, they're difficult for techies who didn't build it to edit too. Otherwise, web most website designers will use a platform like WordPress, Squarespace, Wix, or ShowIt. If you've got an existing website, it may well be built on one of those. You might not want to change platforms. And if you've got a lot of content on your existing website, then that might well be the right choice. But whichever platform, if you want to use a particular platform, you need to make sure that your designer can build in the platform of your choice and that they have, going back to the very first question, that they've got the expertise and experience in that platform. So I build exclusively in WordPress, but I often build for clients whose existing website is on another platform because a new website is a chance to rethink the platform that your website is built on. And there are many reasons why I build in WordPress. And in fact, a very early episode of this podcast talks about why I exclusively use WordPress. So go back and have a listen to that if you're interested. You do need to ensure, though, that the platform that your website is built on can do what you need it to do both now and in the future. Question number eight. Do you follow SEO best practice when building your websites? Now, notice I'm not asking, will my website be on page one of Google? <laughs> and there is a reason that I have worded that question that particular way. So it's, do you follow SEO best practice when building your websites? So website design and SEO, SEO stands for search engine optimization. That's getting found on search engines like Google. You know, when somebody types in a query into Google. Well, website design and SEO are two separate things. Okay. And they are sep completely separate skill, skill sets. Just having a website, even a professionally designed one, is not enough to rank on Google or other search engines. To properly do SEO for a website takes a lot of time, effort and specialist knowledge. Amongst other things, you need to research keywords, plan out the content, write it for those keywords, optimize and tag images, do a lot of technical refinements to maximize the speed of loading, sorry, minimize the speed of loading, have a backlink strategy and implement that strategy. Most website designers do not do all of that as standard. I don't, okay? And the reason is because I would need to include the time that takes into the price of the website. And it would significantly increase the cost of an investment in, our, in one of our websites. Okay, and that's, many clients don't get a return on that. Okay, so that's not necessarily a good use of my client's money. However, you do want to ensure your website is built in a way that can be found and indexed by Google. It should follow SEO best practice. And then you can add more of the SEO layers on in future as appropriate. So whilst I'm not an SEO expert, I do invest time and money in learning about SEO. 
and I do follow basic best practice in the websites I build. So that's really what you want, is somebody who's going to follow basic best practice in the websites you build. If SEO is really important to you, then you either want a website designer who will incorporate more than that, or alternatively, you want to work with an SEO specialist alongside your website designer. Question number nine. Will you show me how to edit my own website and what ongoing support will you provide? So I'm a firm believer in clients being able to make edits to their own website post-launch. At the very least, you should be able to update pricing, testimonials and images. They're often things that you need doing quickly. Okay, you don't want to wait for a website designer to get back to you. And you might already know how to do that on your website. But most clients benefit from having their website designer walk through their website, showing them how to make changes. And of course, the question is whether your website designer does that and whether it's included or an extra charge. So I always have a Zoom call post-launch where I take clients through their website and I don't charge any extra for it. And I use Zoom because then it can be recorded to refer to later. And I also include a month of free support because questions invariably come up and I think it gives people the comfort that they can make changes and know there is somebody there who can sort anything out that goes wrong. Not that it generally does, but I think it gives people that comfort. So as well as being taken through your website post-launch, if you use a platform like WordPress, which you have to have separate hosting for, then you should also ask whether your website designer is able to host and maintain that website for you and what they charge. <clears throat> and that means you don't have to have any tech worries about your website going forward. And if you use a platform like Squarespace or ShowIt, um, which has some downsides, but it does have the, uh, the hosting included with it, so that's not necessarily question you need to ask, although you might want to ask about ongoing support and what the cost of that is. So question number 10 is who owns the website? Very few clients ask this question. In fact, I don't think I've ever been asked it, but it is an important one. If you use a website builder like Squarespace or Wix, you own the content, but you do not own the website. That means you need to keep paying Squarespace, Wix, etc. to keep the website running. If you don't pay, you lose your website. And WordPress is different because you host WordPress websites separately. Although some WordPress designers do maintain ownership of the website, which means that you do need to continue to pay them to keep the website running too. And this is often the case if you pay a smaller amount up front effectively you're leasing or renting the website. But ideally you should own the website and be able to do what you want with it post-launch. So while I'll host and maintain your website post-launch, my clients own the websites I build once they've been paid for in full. And that means if they want to move them to say another website designer for work in the future or have a tech VA involved in their website or indeed host and maintain it themselves, they can do so. Most choose not to, most do choose to stay with me, but you know, there is always that option there. Now there are parts of your website which you might not own, but you might have a license to use, for example, any themes or plugins used on your site. And you might have to pay to keep those updated on an ongoing basis as well. Question 11, 
what will it cost? And needless to say, this is a question that most people do ask and do remember to ask. You want to know exactly what your website is going to cost before contracting with your website designer to build it for you. Like any project, you will need to have a good idea of what you want before you start to ensure that your website doesn't cost any more than expected. It's no different to a building project. If you bring a builder into your house and you want them to do some work, you need to be very specific about what you want them to do in order for it to come out for that cost that's specified. If you say, I just want you to build an extension, then it could cost anything. If you say you want an extension of a particular size and you know all of the materials, then obviously the price that comes out is going to be the, should be the price that is quoted unless you have made some changes to the specification or they've encountered something which was not covered in the contract. And, you know, the website specification is not really any different. It's obviously a lot smaller than a builder's contract, um, but the spec and the cost should be documented in a contract before you pay a deposit. It's really important that you do have a contract for this. And that way, it's very clear for everybody. And question 12 is, are there any additional fees or charges that might arise? So as your website designer starts to build your website, you might decide there are other things that you want to add. You might want extra pages or you might want to add something like, I don't know, an online course. Of course, these are going to cost extra. And the best way to avoid additional costs is to be specific upfront about what you want. Sometimes you're not entirely clear. And if you think you might want something else, then I recommend getting a price for that upfront too. So for example, I might have a client who says, well, I think I want six pages on my website, but it's possible I want, might want an extra one or two. What would be the charge for that? And you, know, you can add effectively a price list of options to your contract to cover the things that you think you might want. Most website designers, myself included, will not give a comprehensive price list because there are just so many possible variations in that. Um, but if we know there are three or four things that you might potentially want, then of course we will provide a cost for those too. And, and as well as variations, you might want to ask whether there are any other additional fees or charges that might arise. There shouldn't be other than for ongoing hosting or other help on an ongoing basis. <clears throat> so that's it. 12 questions to ask any website designer before you start work with them. And I don't know, any unusual ones in there? Any that you're not asking? <laughs> probably one or two, I'm sure, but some of them you probably got. Um, there is a blog post to go with this episode. So if you, I'm going to run through all 12 questions now, but you can always go and look at the list that's actually on there. So very quickly running through the 12. Number one is, um, what experience do you have that is relevant to my project? Because of course, you want somebody who works with businesses like you, not somebody who has no idea what they're doing. Number two is, what is your process for building a website? So you want a process that involves you and has your input. Number three, what happens if I don't like it? because you need to make sure that it will be, you will end up with a website that you do like, that you absolutely love. Number four, who do I deal with and how will we communicate? Obviously, you want that to be as seamless as possible. 
especially if you are working with an agency. Number five, how long will it take? I think that one is pretty obvious. Uh, number six, what do I need to provide you with and when? And then you can be prepared and it means that you don't lead to any delays in your project build. Number seven, what do you use to build your websites? So making sure that they have experience of whichever platform it is that you want to use and that the platform that they use is appropriate for your business. Number eight, do you follow SEO best practice when building your websites? Obviously, you want the answer to be yes. <laughs> Number nine, will you show me how to edit my own website and what ongoing support will you provide? And indeed, what might the cost of that be? Number 10, who owns the website? Number 11, what will it cost? And number 12, are there any additional fees or charges that might arise? So as I said in the introduction, some of those questions will probably be covered on their website. So you don't necessarily need to ask them all in a call and others you might want to ask in a call. And certainly, you know, if you're looking to uh, talk to us about a website, we would love to have a conversation. We'll very happily go through any of those questions that you want to ask. That's it for this week. If there's anybody that you know who you think would benefit from listening either to this episode or the podcast more generally, please do pass on our details. Um, more people that listen to this podcast, then the more the likes of Apple and Spotify, etc. do promote it to other people. Thank you so much for listening. See you again next week. Thank you so much for listening all the way to the end. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to follow or subscribe so that you don't miss future episodes. And I'd really appreciate it if you could leave a five-star review. That makes a massive difference as to whether Apple shows my podcasts more widely. And head over to my website, beyondthekitchentable.co.uk, where you can find all the ways you can work with me, whether you're just starting out, looking to grow your business, or scaling it. And see you next week.